what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of The Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. There are now more than estimated, an estimated 20 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and are concerned about their own life as they age. In this podcast, we're going to talk about leisure experiences, helping us connect, learn, and be happy, how our aging loved ones may benefit from leisure experiences, but also how all of us may benefit. Our interviewee for this podcast is Dr. Amy Lorick. Dr. Lorick leads engagement and education as an assistant research professor at Penn State University's Center for Healthy Aging. She also is the Interim Director for the Women's Leadership Initiative and the College of Health and Human Development. Dr. Lorick earned her Ph.D. in leisure behavior from Indiana University and has broad practical experience with workplace, academic, and non-traditional teaching and learning contexts. She specializes in creating experiences and programs for healthy aging, intergenerational learning, and leadership. Hi, Amy. Thank you for being with us. Hi, Francis. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. We also are delighted to have Jill Lilly as a co-interviewer. Recognizing that lots of children were looking for help as they provided support for their aging parents, Jill helped found ACAB Central County, Pennsylvania, and is now the chapter coordinator. Jill worked for 20-plus years in the insurance industry and then 15 as the Director of Marketing and Sales at two Life Plan communities. I think she started when she was 10 years old, started working. After retiring, though, she has continued to work part-time as an independent contractor. Hi, Jill. I'm glad you are here. Thank you, Francis. I didn't start when I was two, but (laughs) I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so let's get into this topic of leisure and why it's so important. Amy. Jill, uh, you want to take it? Yes. Amy, what is leisure and free time? Well, I'm glad you asked because this tends to be something we think we know, um, but it turns out there's, um, uh, there's some nuances when we think about leisure and our free time. So when you think about how you spend your time over the course of a day or a week, you might think about it in terms of things you have to do, things you must do, um, like run errands or go to work or uh, cook food or whatever it is, go to the doctor. Um, And then there is things that you choose to do. And so this turns out to be an important nuance. So things that we choose to do um, after we fill our time with things we must do. And so free time is then the thing that we are choose or the, the time remaining after the things we must do. And then leisure can be a part of our free time, but it isn't equal to free time. Is that clear? Are you understanding sort of the difference? Um, So what I I guess it boils down to is there are things we have to do and then there is our free time. And 
if the things that we are choosing to do in our free time are meaningful, they are bringing us joy, or they're things that we like to do, then it's possible we could think about them as our leisure. So essentially, leisure can help us um, bring meaning to our lives and uh, good feelings, but also contributes to our sense of competence and connection with others. So leisure is an experience that can be had within our free time, but it isn't equal to our free time, if that makes sense. Okay. So so how does our use of free time change as we age? Well, our free time changes rather dramatically, and there's a lot of good research that supports this. We tend to have more free time as we age. Um, We also tend to shift where uh, we're spending that free time. As we age, we tend to shift to doing more indoor things for a variety of reasons. And we also tend to be less physically active. And this is sort of shown in the, the different research. And it turns out that it's key um, uh, that that doing things inside rather than outside is a key thing because it then contributes to um, other sort of outcomes. And so uh, there is there's associated benefits with being outdoors that we're not always paying attention to. And one is it's just simply that we're moving more. We also tend to have opportunities to come in contact with others if we go outside. We also are using cognitive skills that we aren't always uh, attentive to simply because there is more going on, whether it's noticing an airplane in the sky or leaves blowing or simply changes in color of the seasons. Um, There's just more to notice. So that means our cognition is stimulated simply by being outside. And um, that's interesting. Yeah, it's actually a really discovery. Yep. And so simply by making so the shift from outdoors to indoors ends up cutting off a lot of of really important things. the physical movement, the cognition stimulation, and um, just coming in contact with others. So there are these results that end up um, really sort of having a significant impact. So as we age, and this is sort of shown out through our lifespan, we're progressively doing less and less outside and progressively doing things that are less physically active. But yet we have more and more free time. So this is where the choice of how we spend our free time ends up being really important and a contributor contributor to our overall health. And that kind of um, makes me wonder, can leisure affect our health? Absolutely. If we are doing things in our free time that aren't really helpful to us, they will have an impact on our health. And it turns out that, um, you know, feeling, having positive feelings um, contributes to overall how we're thinking about our lives and about our interactions with others. And so leisure really can contribute to our overall life satisfaction and our overall sense of well-being. And so this is why it's such an important piece for um, people who are in the caregiving role, but also for people who are um, just experiencing the aging process, that if we aren't doing things in our free time or making choices in our free time, that help us feel positive and satisfied with our life, then there there are health uh, um, consequences to that. Having just more negative feelings in our lives, we have learned through research, has significant health impacts. 
like feelings of isolation and loneliness, for example. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm feeling like there is this big light switch that has just kind of flipped on for me because I never put all of this together like this. Okay. So Amy, you talked about um, being happy. Mm -hmm. What can we do to develop experiences that help us be happy? Well, yeah, I'm glad you asked because one of the first things to do is to think about your life right now and how you are dividing your time with things that you feel obliged to do or things that you must do and things that you would like to do that bring you enjoyment. So that goes back to our ideas about what is our free time first and what is our obligated time. And then what are choices we can be making in our free time? And so you might think about if we have filled up our free time with things we feel like we have to do, then we have to rethink what is our free time, right? Because it's not really our free time. It's more now the obligated time. So what is it that really is our free time? And it's not just the difference between um, work and not work. It's the what do we feel like we have to do? So for example, if I am not someone who enjoys cooking, I might feel that meal preparation or grocery shopping is um, activity that I must do, right? And then it is that more of the work mindset, right? I have to do this because I have to make meals for myself versus I really like cooking. I like preparing meals um, because it helps me feel creative and I'm doing something to bring connection uh, in my life with someone who stops by or um, my family member who is going to join me. That might make me feel really good. So it's the same activity, but it might be perceived very differently. So you really do want to think very carefully about what is your free time and what is it that's enjoyable to you. And you then might also think about what are things that I have done in the past that I really enjoyed that I maybe stopped doing for whatever reason. So um, if you think about this, it may be that, um, and I'm going to use the example of my mom, when my dad passed away, she didn't want to go to the same places she was going before, Um, but she still wanted to do some things. So for example, um, she still wanted to be able to go to concerts, but she didn't want to go by herself. So the choice was to stop going or to find someone to go with her. Well, oftentimes that was me. So for her, she was getting to do a leisure experience that she really wanted to do. For me, it wasn't as much of a leisure experience because I felt like I had to go with her. If she had joined up with a friend who wanted to go to the concert too, then the two of them were having a leisure experience but I wasn't necessarily. So you have to think about things uh, about choice, but you also want to think about why am I not doing the thing that I like to do? And are there ways to overcome that so that I can do it either in a new way? I think we've all been forced to do that in the last year. We've had a pandemic experience that has required us to change. And some of us have uh, adapted um, and found it satisfactory to do things online, whereas other, uh, other things, it's not as satisfying. And so we've stopped doing them. So think about why you stopped doing it and think about a way that could help bring that meaningfulness back. So maybe it's the same thing, or maybe it's doing it a little bit differently. So you you want to think about as whether you're a caregiver or you're, you know, an, an aging adult, um, why did you stop doing it? Does it, is it meaningful? Can you still do it meaningfully in a new way? 
And so that's something that I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, but first, you really want to figure out why did you stop? Because why did you stop doing Amy, it can um, help you lead to figuring out how you could alter your approach. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jill. Go ahead. No, no. It's interesting that it's a lot of it just has to do with your your um, outlook. But um, you've given some strategies for overcoming um, some of the problems that folks encounter. Um, do you have anything else that you could add to that? Absolutely. So I want to talk first about leisure, not so much as this big idea, but what what is really leisure? And so um, leisure can be social experiences. Leisure can be learning new things. Leisure can be physical activity. Leisure can be um, your pursuit of being happy, right? And so you might develop a goal associated with each of those components because leisure turns out encompasses all of those things. And so you might develop a, a goal for each one of those four pieces. Maybe start with one at a time and to help build your leisure repertoire. Um, and you might set a goal by identifying what it is that you want to do. So you, if you want, if you think perhaps an area to develop is being a little more social. And um, right now, I think we all are trying to figure that out and how we want to do that newly and differently. So um, what is it that you want to do that could help you be a little bit more social with people that you would like to be social with? And then think about where that could happen, how that could happen, and when that could happen. So that's sort of the three W's. What are you going to do? Where are you going to do it? When will you do it? And um, we want to definitely add a goal or um, a time element to that goal so that it puts a little pressure on us. And if you need a little bit extra boost, tell somebody what your plan is. Um, and this uh, is certainly a opportunity to, to share your goals, but also bring other people along on your plan if you, if you would like to. Um, so we, we need to add a little pressure sometimes when we're not so convinced it's gonna happen. But once you set the goal of the what you're going to do, where you're going to do it, when are you going to do it, then you want to check your plan. You want to say, do I really have time to do this this week? And if the answer is yes, say when then exactly? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to do this, get together with a friend. Um, we're going to do a walk and talk um, out in the park. So when, if I really want to do that, when is a good time for me to do that? And is my friend committed to meeting me there as well, right? So uh, do I have the time to do it? And if I do, what is that time? Uh, and then does it cost any money? And is that a problem? And the third is gear. Do I have the right shoes? Do I have a raincoat if it's raining? Or should I bring an umbrella? Or maybe um, I'm going to need to wear a little bit extra layers of coat because it's cooler or um, it's uh, maybe I need a hat because it's going to be sunny. What is the right gear? So we first set our goal of the what, where, and when. Then we're checking our, our plan. Do we have the time and what is that time? Does it cost money and is that okay? And do we have the right gear to make it happen? Because these end up being some of the tripping points of actually making our plan happen, right? So that's why we want to check our plan. And then once we develop that, we're just going to try it. Let's get started. And let's try and achieve that goal. Because if there are challenges that come up in making that goal happen, then we want to revisit it. So um, 
We're going to work on challenges. Maybe it was a rainy week. Maybe it was 120 degrees. Um, and, and it just wasn't going to work that well. Um, so then we want to revisit and reset the goal. Sort of a key piece to all of that is, is this something we really believe we can do? If we can believe it, then we can probably overcome all of our challenges. But if we, we don't actually believe we can do it, for example, it's just a little too far to get to, or um, it's contingent on my friend actually showing up to go for a walk. Um, if we don't really believe we can do it, that's going to be a big problem to overcome. So figuring out what we can do, believing the plan, and then identifying what really was the problem if we encountered it, what was the problem, um, and maybe we then reset the goal to adjust to our expectation, and then we review some of the options to uh, reset that goal and just pick one and try it again. And we probably want to set different time elements. Okay, so our first thing was to try it out, and we said a, a week from now we're going to revisit. And did we accomplish our goal by next week? If we didn't, then let's let's work on those challenges and reset the goal, and then just pick. Um, one of your options to try again. Um, it, it's sort of a really just practical, laid out, but if you really do want to uh, set goals for being a little bit more social and connected with others or learning new things or being more physically active or working on your happiness, you're going to have to lay it out as a plan that are that um, is specific so that you can make the changes that you want to change or make the changes you want that's to achieve. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Amy, that's exactly what I was just thinking is that everything you are saying sounds like it truly is like every other plan that, that in order to be successful, that we have to envision and plan it and take the steps, really outline the steps and then take those steps um, in order to achieve that. That's right. And not get too bogged down in it didn't, it didn't happen this week, but take that as the opportunity to say, why didn't it happen this week? And identify where the challenge is, because then you can alter and try again. This may be a stupid question, mm -hmm. but why is it important? So leisure turns out to be the way that we are connected with others, the way that we're creating meaning in our lives. And when um, we don't feel like we are um, having connection with others or um, living a meaningful life, we tend to be discouraged and we tend to feel um, more isolated and lonely. And there are a lot of uh, negative health outcomes associated with those negative feelings, right? Um, and so the goal here is to build more positive emotion in order to have more positive health outcomes, um, and, and it turns out that doing some of these activities, and, and you remember I described it just simply by going outside, there are benefits that we aren't always aware of, things that are helping us. So, for example, um, even someone who is less mobile um, will benefit simply by going outside because of the cognitive stimulation of the things that are happening outside. Um, and so when we are in an indoor environment, there's just less going on, right? Um, and, and so that tends to make us uh, feel more isolated, but also um, there, there's just a, a, a flatness of affect that happens over time. And I think a lot of us can and identify with that, especially through winter months when we may be um, feeling like we do less outside be simply because of weather. But um, 
if we can do more of the things that we do all year round in winter, it turns out it can help us cognitively as well as physically. So um, the, the things that we've talked about are really about building more positive emotion and that those positive uh, feelings then translate into health outcomes. We talk so much in ACAB about how do we help our, our loved one, our aging loved one. But what you're describing is not only something to keep in mind for our aging loved one, but also for us, for those of us who are caring for an older person or for anyone. Um, yeah, and those are some very practical and very simple things. Go outside. <laughs> There's yeah. more to it than just breathing fresh air. Yeah. For sure. And I, I mean, there's a lot of great research that supports that. And you might have even have heard about the patients who are given hospital rooms that have windows, windows outside. Um, yes. that there is there is a, a shortened uh, healing process, less medications needed for people who have contact with out of doors. And it's and in that scenario, it's simply just by being able to look outside. Right. So it, can you imagine then the benefits of being able to actually physically go outside? So um, there, there's a lot of positive experiences for us and for our loved ones by simply going outside. But the other thing is, is I, I want to sort of circle back to learning new things is also cognitively stimulating because it's creating new pathways for ourselves and also new linkages with things that we already know. And so um, we, we do um, some programming and oftentimes we have people ask us questions about crossword puzzles and doing other things that we think are cognitively stimulating. And usually the answer is, if it's something you've been doing for a long time, it's probably not as cognitively stimulating as something that you're doing newly for the first time or as a new way of doing things. So there's just a lot of benefit to trying out new things. And that can be uh, very simple as trying a new game or meeting a new person that is going to produce a terrific benefit for your stimulation in terms of brain activity. That's kind of that. Um, I knew a man who in his nineties started taking piano, mm -hmm. you know, or people who learn a new language, you know, those kinds of things. That's right. And it can be um, as complicated as a new language, um, but it, it also could be, uh, simply, you know, just reading about a new idea um, or trying out a new activity. If you've always um, played tennis, maybe it's time to try learning um, volleyball or golf or <laughs> something else. You know, this is the, the new thing, right, that it challenges us to uh, make new connections, to learn new rules or meet other people, that the learning the new thing brings about other changes, both in our cognition, but also in our connections with others. And, and that sound, sort of sounds like, and it's never too late. Oh, absolutely true. Not only never too late, but there are so many things we don't know, right? Um, and we can feel very stuck. And this is a way for us to feel unstuck because um, there, there are just new um, things that we didn't know before that shed new light on things that maybe we are very familiar with. And so... Part of um, what we encourage young people to do is be curious about the world. Well, it turns out being curious about the world is healthy at every age. This, this is so optimistic. Um, <laughs> I, I, 
And we've talked and, and hopeful, I guess that that's probably the better word. Um, we've talked about a lot of things. Are there, and you've talked about, I mean, you've talked about some, some ways to really achieve and to make sure that we are being successful with leisure goals. But, but are there some other strategies? There are. Yeah. So I, I alluded to this early on that leisure has sort of a variety of, of components or, and we sort of tend to think about them in four parts. One is the social connection or social activities. Another is learning the new things, which I mentioned. Physical activity um, is another. Um, the pursuit of happiness is also important, right? So we, we uh, there, how many books? If you put on your Google browser um, books on happiness, uh, you're going to come up with quite a lot of, of um, books that have been written about the how and the art and the science of happiness. Um, but only people, individuals know what makes them happy, right? I can't answer that for you, Francis, or you, Jill, but you probably have a pretty good idea about the things that make you happy or the people that make you happy or the experiences that make you happy. And so as we age, we tend to um, maybe even set aside uh, that because um, it becomes less clear or we feel like we're being helpful and that makes us feel happy. But it might be helpful to really reflect on what brings us happiness. Is it spending time with my friend? And it doesn't matter what we're doing. It's just feeling connected with that friend. Um, or it's um, that physical activity that I don't really, um, it, it's not like going to the gym. It's a hike in the woods. That makes me happy. Going to the gym, not so much. Um, so, uh, but it's easier to get to the gym or I say, well, I don't really have the time to fit it in, but I really like being in the woods away from others, you know, so you really have to think about what makes you happy and how can you make I a think goal and plan to make more, more room for that in your life. Go ahead, Jill. I hear you. Uh, you have a question. I, yeah. Well, no, I was making a comment that I think for a lot of people, it's having a purpose. Um, it's that purpose-driven life that gives you um, a lot of fulfillment and happiness that um, carries over to other aspects, too. But Yeah, and I think sometimes we think of purpose as a loaded word. Like I have to know the capital P purpose of my life and um, or, or anybody's life. Um, but I think if we, I think you're absolutely right, Jill, that feeling like we have purpose makes us feel like there is a meaningful connection with whatever it is we're doing. Um, but I think because purpose has come to be um, the capital B, P purpose, um, it might be helpful to make it the lowercase p. What is my purpose for this hour or today? What can I be doing with purpose today? What can I put my attention on today that can help contribute to my feeling of satisfaction with my life? And I think that... Um, we, we may have ideas about, about purpose, but I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming too um, because sometimes I think at points in our lives, it's less clear. Uh, but finding what, what can I be doing with purpose today or this week or in this interaction that can contribute to my feeling good about my interaction or my getting something done or what, whatever it is that you're focusing your attention on. So I agree. Thinking about purpose 
is is important, but also taking action steps to um, to express that purpose is is I think helpful step. But it also sounds like you're saying that there is the capital P purpose, and then there is smaller, but but in in what interwoven into that are also the smaller steps and and that there may be a lot of different pieces of finding one's purpose or or feeling purposeful um and that each of these kind of category i'm thinking okay we all want to feel like our lives mean something and so part of that is that there are interactions with people with other people part of that is that we are doing something meaningful part of it is that we are in as good health as we are as we can be and so it's like there are different pieces of that big capital p purpose and as long as we can continue to sort of assess how are we doing with each of those, that that also can be helpful. Absolutely. Okay. I, I think that um, focusing your attention on that purpose um, f- for um, whatever it is you're doing can help you think about your activities perhaps in a new and different way. And I think that if you're struggling with um, maybe things aren't meaningful, well, maybe it is simply adjusting um, your expectation. Maybe it is adjusting what is my purpose in doing this thing, whether it's going for a walk, because going for a walk might not be fun for, for everyone. It might be fun for me. And this is goes back to that idea of leisure, you know, but maybe my purpose is to improve my muscle strength and um, be with my friend. Well, so the, the, there, there is a purpose to doing that that helps me get there in the first place, right? And it also then helps me find that meaning when I do it. Right, right. Or I'm even thinking um, being with an aging parent and taking them outside, that that may be more purposeful, that that getting the parent outside may be purposeful to both people, possibly more so for the aging parent, but then for for the caregiver, for the family member, it's that purpose of being with the parent and, and helping them be as vibrant as possible. So that's that reframing kind of thing. Yeah, reframing. And I think, too, um, sometimes your purpose can match up with the purpose of someone else. So in the case of the scenario you just described, right, I'm spending time with my loved one and I, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm a daughter and this is what I should be doing. Um and what I want to be doing, but it isn't always my favorite thing to be doing, right? But um, I am doing it because I'm doing it on purpose because I want to be as connected as I can with my loved one and recognizing that purpose and then the purpose of my loved one. You know, maybe my loved one really simply loves being outside. And we keep going back to this example. But um, so my purpose isn't that. My purpose is to feel connected. Their, my loved one's purpose may be I really love birds. And the hearing bird song is important um, because I feel um, a vitality when I hear birds singing, right? So my purpose as, as the, the daughter is I am here to be connected. And my loved one's purpose is to connect with nature. Well, these these can be accomplished together. And then the leisure experience can be felt, right? Right. Right. Yeah, that's great. Great analogy. Yeah. Are there some other things that we haven't covered? Jill, do you have any other questions or comments? 
Um, not really. I do know that successful aging is predicated upon that social interaction, how critical that is. So the more ways that a caregiver could um, to could encourage that is, is a plus probably for both of them. So, um, but I've found this to be a very interesting conversation. Yeah, me, me too. As I am sitting, looking out my window at a gorgeous day in North Carolina, I'm thinking <laughs> I need to get out there, not just look out the window. <laughs> so I, I, it's funny. We've sort of focused on the outdoors. Not everyone loves it out there. Um, but there's a lot to be experienced out of doors. So for example, um, you might not like the uh, experience of uh, flies or insects or whatever it is when you go outside, right? This is something I often hear people say, well, I'm going to go outside, but I don't really like all the bugs. Um, is there a way to do that so that that's that, anxiety or that irritant is reduced, right? Um, the benefits, I think, are that cognitive stimulation and um, the opportunity perhaps for connection. So, but if, if you're going to resist it because you don't want to deal with the bugs, that's the challenge to overcome, right? That's the problem to solve that's interrupting your ability to do something you'd like to do. Um, so trying to figure out what that could mean, you know, for me, um, I don't, I'm not bothered by that for others. I know it's sort of a big deal and that's why they might choose to stay indoors. Um, but if then that's the reason you only would know that by really reviewing. So what's the goal? What do you want to, what's interrupting your ability to achieve the goal and how can that be overcome? Can I put on bug spray? Maybe I just wear um, a, a jacket with that, I forgot what the name of the chemical is, but it's got that um, mosquito repellent fabric okay. that you can purchase. Um, I actually live in a place that has a lot of mosquitoes. So sitting out at night isn't exactly very fun, even though I really love to do it. But I found that there, uh, there are ways to overcome it by um, getting a citronella candle and um, wearing some of that, I think it's permethrin treated fabric, so I don't get stung by the mosquitoes. So these are these are things to really be thinking through. So the challenges aren't always things I can't control, but trying to figure out what you can control and then how you can overcome the things uh, that are that are interrupting your ability to do what you want to do. But are there some other activities that you could recommend um, for maybe it's not an outdoor thing in terms of choice, but that for whatever reason, uh, the person is not mobile enough to be able to get outside comfortably? Are there some other things that they can do? Certainly. I mean, we certainly can open windows. Um and and experience outdoors. Is that the what you mean? Um, ways to get outside without being outside, or uh, do you mean something else? All of the above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking that there probably are going to be people listening that will say, "Okay, yes, I need to get mom or dad outside. I need to get outside." Um, but the but the fact is that there are sometimes that the weather is inclement and they can't get outside mm-hmm. or that there is a health condition that prevents getting outside, you know, and, and what are, what are some things, are there some things that people can do inside or some resources that you could point people to? And I'm probably kind of catching you off guard with this question. So. <laughs> Well, you know, I think there are enough. So one of the really great things about a pandemic is that more and more you can find um, experiences that are uh, sort of uh, navigation uh, through the Internet. So you could do a field trip 
in Africa without leaving home, right? So there are a lot more experiences that you can find now on the web that you couldn't find before. And so this is something actually I do in my classes. I've sent them out on field trips, and I use the air quotes for that, um, by getting on the web and finding experiences. So there are real-time um, experiences, and then there are sort of simulations. I recommend the real-time experiences because someone will be your guide, um, or you could um, ask a question. And so there are more and more things available online uh, that you you couldn't find before uh, a year ago, but are things like a safari in Africa or a visit to the Louvre um, Museum that you, you can navigate to. And in fact, the New York Times did a great lineup of field trips and websites that you could use as ways to simulate or to stimulate a experience that is novel and that you might not have been able to do um, even if you went outside, right? I, I can do a safari from my, my house. I wasn't going to go to Africa <laughs> and I sure can't right now, but um, I can go on my computer. And so the internet yeah. is full of terrific opportunities to have windows to the outside or global, really, world. In fact, I think there is even a, a website called Windows on the World where people have their real cam cameras in real time um, and you can drop into New Delhi or to uh, uh, Paris and there are just these cameras that you could go and see what's happening there. Is it raining or is there a bird flying by? You know, so there, there are places on the internet that offer stimulating experiences that would simulate the kind of experience you might um, have outdoors. Now, I don't know the research would um, say you get the exact same benefits, um, I am certain there, there would have to be a comparison uh, study done. But I think given the scenario you described about being less mobile or not mobile, that there are ways to navigate on the web that would offer unique experiences that then you could share with your loved one, have a conversation with them about. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think is, you, mm -hmm. you know, we have people would be listening that would have all levels of ability and skill and, and all that. So, yeah, that's perfect. And I, I had not even thought of, of those kinds of things. I'd like to go on, on the safari to Africa. <laughs> right. And there, 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 I have actually, and I'm happy to share this with you, a whole series of websites that are actively making experiences available just to um, broaden their audience, but also are, are free. So for example, the National Park Service was offering a virtual tour of Ellis Island. What a great opportunity to have a conversation about, um, you know, a national park or a uh, experience, an American experience that uh, you could then watch maybe a little bit of a film or do the virtual tour, which may or may not be um, something you have to navigate. It may be just sort of prompted as a video, uh, but then becomes a experience that you've had with your loved one that you can talk about. Sure. And I'm thinking Ellis Island, oh my word, uh, you know, for so many families that came through, what incredible conversation starter. That for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And not yeah. only a conversation starter, but um, how about a story? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a story about uh, a childhood experience or um, a family member who you heard stories from about their childhood or you know, their memory of an, another family member. So right now, I think in the United States, we have second, third generation, 
as well as first generation, but there are probably family stories to share no matter what generation um, of immigrant you are. Right, right, right. This is fascinating. This is just fascinating. Amy, thank you so much for sharing such great insight and great information. Um, this is important, and I'm sure that there will be lots of listeners who will really not only enjoy this, but benefit from it. And Jill, well, thank Oh, sorry. Thank you. I'm glad to have been here, Francis. I have a feeling that there are some other topics that we could talk about with, uh, through podcasts. Uh, Jill, thank you also for being part of this with your background also. Uh, you bring so much to the conversation. Thank you, Francis. We also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us. We hope this has been helpful and that you will share the podcast with others that you think may benefit. And if there are topics that have spurred some questions for you, or if you're interested in the list that Amy was talking about of uh, virtual experiences, if you will let us know, we'll be happy to, to get those to you. Before we end, we definitely want to say thank you to Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina. They have sponsored this podcast, and we are indeed grateful for their support. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our Caregiver Community podcast on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, including our website, www.acapcommunity.org. And while you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other topics you would like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of your background, education, career, or anything else, when it's your mother, your father, your loved one, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved one, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.